Welcome to the Center for Diversity Leadership, where we are supporting school leaders together across the nation as they create school cultures that ensure all students are seen, valued, celebrated, and heard. I am Dr. Ryan Daniel, and I am your fellow in this work. All right, today we're talking about hiring season. All right, leaders, we're gearing up for the end of the school year and preparing for the most important time for principals. Summer planning is a time when school leaders begin to fill vacancies and plan for the upcoming school year. As school leaders, it is important that we are utilizing equitable hiring practices when identifying best teachers for our students. Students who interact with a culturally diverse population of teachers and leaders in a school are more likely to build strong relationships with students, with adults, feel safe in the school environment, and be engaged in learning that sets the conditions for higher outcomes. Now, we know that it is a teacher, a national teacher shortage. So some of our hiring practices have had to be a little bit more creative as we go into a new school year. We have a responsibility to work often outside of our comfort zones to ensure that all students have access to a quality education and that they feel safe and included in their school environments. Part of that work is to ensure that all students, particularly students of color, students with disabilities, and students who have been traditionally underrepresented and not afforded equal opportunities have access to effective, diverse and supportive teachers and leaders throughout their school experiences. Today, I'm just gonna share a few best practices on how school leaders can use the equity lens when recruiting, hiring, and retaining staff. So I am a principal in the state of Maryland and in my school district, uh, we have a high number of black and brown students where we're probably almost 80% African-American and Hispanic population. Now, what we have tried to do in our particular school district is to make sure that our students are able to kind of see themselves in the teachers, in the leaders, in the staff that is around the building. And now, a part of being a school leader is really being, being able to use and apply that equity lens, especially when we start planning for upcoming school year. For example, Right now, this is, we're going into May, and May is the time where we are one foot in this school year and one foot in next school year. So you're looking at your, your classes and your cohorts of students now, and you're playing chess, not checkers, because when we're recruiting and hiring and retaining teachers, I have to play chess not checkers. We want to make sure that we are making smart moves, that we're protecting the queen. In the case here, the queen is our students. So we really want to make sure that we're protecting our students and giving them the best opportunities and access um, because that's what that equity lens is, is really making sure that we are using uh, that, that lens to ensure that our students uh, have as many opportunities and access uh, you know, possible. So when I look for um, teachers, I look at the cohorts of students. So we do articulation in my school. And in the articulation, um, each teacher comes in and they have almost like a baseball card, a baseball card of each student. And in it, they have student data, of course, um, academic data, they have attendance, 
um, information there. You know, if this is one of our hot flyers, this is a student that, um, you know, is kind of in and out of school, or this is a student that is consistently at school every single day. Then we also identify if there are any subgroups. So if the student is a student with disability, an English language learner, uh, maybe the student has a 504 plan. And then my favorite part of the baseball cards for articulation is where we have some kind of anecdotal data about the student. For example, is this a student that, you know, works well with technology or is this a student that, you know, is more of a paper pencil type of type of child? Um, is there a student or a group of students that this particular child should not be in a class with next year? Maybe there was some um, some situations that occurred, possibly some bullying, or maybe there just was a lot of confrontation. And we want this student to be set up for success. So we feel like this particular student should not be in the same homeroom as maybe two other students. You know, then we ask about um, just work habits and, you know, growth and how, do, how does a student like to be celebrated? And what we do is we use those baseball cards to build cohorts and classes of students. And so in our articulation, we sit and we talk from the sending grade to the receiving grade of teachers. Um, and we talk about, you know, where students should be fit best. We make groups of students that we feel are below grade level, on grade level, and above grade level. And we really try to make sure that we have a group of each in each of the classroom. So there is a below grade level group, there's a, um, a group of students that are on grade level, and there's a group of students that are above grade level. Now, in that conversation, I don't tell my teachers right then where they are permanently going to be teaching at for next school year. I softly give them their teaching assignments, but I'm really looking at the needs of those, those students in each of those classrooms. And for the most part, many of our teaching assignments stay the same, but maybe there is a homeroom of students that would, would, would work better with starting their day off with Ms. Worley instead of Dr. Davis, right? So we talk about that in that moment because I think when we're thinking of how to retain our teachers and we're thinking about how we provide equitable access to our, our teachers and our students, you know, we have to use data and using all types of data to be able to support the teacher and support the student as well. You know, it's very defeating if you see that your next class that you're gonna have, you know, has 75% of students that are on but that are below grade level. So you're asking a question of like, well, where do these where does these students have a model? Who can they bounce ideas? Who can they learn from? Who can I use in the classroom to be an example or an exemplar, you know, for my students that are below grade level? We look at our tag students. You know, we look at how many English language learners and what their levels are and which homerooms that they're going to be in. Um, looking at our special education students and making sure that they are in homerooms where our resource teachers can kind of push into the classroom. Because again, in order to retain teachers, especially with the national teacher shortage, they have to be a part of the conversation of how do we build these classes. But then now when we talk about recruiting and hiring teachers, for me, I use the interviews as an opportunity to have 
conversations. I really want to get to know the candidates, get to know, um, you know, why they want to be a part of our school community, what stands out to them about our school community. If they know nothing about our school community, then that's a red flag for me, right? Because here, everyone is a part that's affected by the work must affect the work, right? Everyone is a part of the process here. And if you don't understand our culture, you haven't done any groundwork, any background knowledge to learn a little bit about our school community, then how do I know you're really gonna be able to give our students the best educational experience um, possible? So, you know, how do we at the school level recruit, hire a diverse and effective staff? Um, You know, determine the gaps by race at the school level. For example, you know, I noticed once I came into my school that I had a high number of Filipino teachers, Filipino female teachers, and, had a very low number of um, African-American teachers and I had no Hispanic teachers and I only had one male teacher in the building and that was the PE teacher. So a part of my job was to make sure that students could see themselves and find themselves in a staff member. So I worked and I hired three male Um, classroom teachers, um, African-American males at that because my population of students is 80% African-American, right? So making sure that my students and particularly my boys, because I have a high number of male students at my school, that they saw themselves and they saw themselves in more than just the physical education teacher, the custodian, Um, They saw themselves an actual, a math teacher, special education teacher, a reading teacher. And then, you know, I looked at where my teachers, um, you know, where they were placed at. Many of my Filipino teachers were in my primary grades, right? So looking at how I could shift some of the diversity to be among the um, among the building because what was happening is that all of my African American teachers they were in my intermediate grades, so there was there was this kind of um, unknown fact that they needed to be in the intermediate grades because of the behaviors. However, we didn't have behavior concerns, right? So that was one of the shifts that we made. But then the other thing, you know, how do you recruit and hire? Um, teachers kind of collect information on your staff and, um, you know, look at their strengths and weaknesses, look at what they feel that they need in a partner. Right. And that's something that has really been impactful. Like, okay, as I'm building the master schedule for next year, as I'm making teacher assignments, what type of partner would you work best with? Right. If you are the reading and social studies teacher, what do you need from your partner who teaches the math and science, you know, having that conversation with new candidates, but then also your current staff creates more buy-in because now they understand and know that you are bringing them into the process and into the conversation of how do we build teaching teams that will um, support our students. Then, you know, you have to analyze data from teachers on who leaves your school and their reasons for exiting. You know, you want to know why teachers are leaving your building, you know, and having the districts and the and states and counties, they have their own exit surveys. But do you have your own exit survey when teachers want to transfer, they want to resign, or even if they're ready to retire? 
finding some information that could be useful for you as you now fill those vacancies. I completely encourage you to identify potential teacher candidates of color outside of the traditional right routes to recruit into educator preparation programs. Right. So looking at other avenues, you know, not turning our heads to career changers, uh, really looking at making sure that your, you know, your staff is colorful. It is full of color. Um, your students can see themselves that it represents your student population. And even if it doesn't represent your student population, that you're working to gain um, more leaders of leaders and teachers of color. And then, you know, also provide induction, mentoring, support and access to leadership opportunities for new and current teachers of color. Because what it, what sometimes happens is that, you know, we'll we'll have a um, a teacher. Uh, we'll have African-American teacher that comes in or a Hispanic teacher that comes in or even a Filipino teacher. Right. We've in our minds as leader, I've checked the box. I found someone that my students can feel, you know, they can see themselves in. But what opportunities are you providing that teacher? You know, are you providing some mentoring support? Maybe um, the, the the first grade uh, African-American um, male teacher comes from a different background, comes from different neighborhoods than the students that he serves. How are you supporting that teacher so that he's able to meet the needs of, um, of his students? But then also looking at, who are you giving your leadership opportunities to in your building? You know, is it equitably distributed across your staff or is it the same pocket of teachers? And I have to have a really transparent moment right here. This is something that I dealt with myself. And I, I, I'm grateful that I've created a staff culture where we're very transparent, you know, we were family. And one of my um, one of my teachers, she came to me on behalf of my Filipino teachers. And she said, you know, Dr. Daniel, um, some of our our Filipino teachers, they do not feel like you are including them in opportunities. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I, I share everything with everyone. You know, I, I, I open open every opportunity for people to apply and to be a part of. Nothing is exclusive here. Um, everyone knows what's happening. And she said, yes, you do that. And I appreciate it. She acknowledged because, of course, as a leader, you feel defeated. Right. And as she said, yes, you do that. But they want you to ask them um, to be a part of things, you know, put them in the opportunities because they only see they only see the black teachers that are having the leadership opportunities. And it really made me be reflective and more intentional, because I think when we talk about using the equity lens for recruiting, hiring and retaining teachers, you have to be very reflective. You can't get in the box of your emotions and your own feelings. You really have to understand that there's a reflect a reflection piece as a leader that we must do, particularly when we're talking about equity and diversity, because we can't say, you know, make sure that you have all of your students in a classroom, have all of the opportunities, you know, make sure that you are um, including everyone when we're not doing that to ourselves. And so um, I was very grateful for that teacher in that moment because 
I preach this all the time. And then now, you know, hearing that there was a, a group of my staff that did not feel that I was being intentional about including them, you know, it was definitely something that made me truly reflect um, on my work as a leader. You know, so as you're preparing for a recruitment season, I, I um, encourage you to apply your equity lens. You know, really look at your groups of students and making sure that your each groups of students feel seen, feel valued, feel heard. I encourage you to, you know, get some student surveys. Ask students, tell me in three words, what type of teacher do you feel like you will need to be successful? Right. And just type of teacher. What types of things? What would have helped you this year? You know, if you had a, this type of teacher, but the same thing for your staff. You know, what what aren't we um, what aren't we including in our, our staff population? What could we do more of? You know, how can I as the leader support you more with our gaps that we may potentially have, you know, in, in our building. But we want to remember that as a school, at the school level, you have to determine what gaps exist in your building by race, um, by cultures, uh, so that your students, so that you have an opportunity to kind of close some of those gaps by hiring the right people for the job. Because Again, it is a teacher shortage, but we don't want to just have anybody, you know, in in front of in front of our schools and in front of our students. So thank you so much for joining me today um, as we prepare for the summertime for principal, which is the quietest, but probably the most stressful time of the year for us. Uh, I hope that you all have a great hiring season. And again, stay tuned for more resources and strategies from the Center for Diversity Leadership. 